today we are continuing our sermon series called The Road to the Resurrection. And so we have finally gotten to the resurrection. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to be looking today in John chapter 20. We're going to read the first eight verses in just a little while. But John chapter 20, verse number 1. And uh, before we get there, I would say that everybody in this room has experienced or had some sort of a life-changing experience. Um, If you are married, whenever you got married, you would say that that was a life-changing experience. Uh, If you have children, when as soon as you had children, I would say that most of you would say, yep, that was an experience that absolutely changed my life. Uh, for some of you who are younger, you're getting ready to pick a college, and whatever college you pick, I mean, it very well could be a life-changing experience for you. And so all of us, at some point or another in our lives, we, we have these life-changing experiences. And I read about a life-changing experience that I, was thought, that I thought was kind of neat. It happened back in 1995. Uh, there was a, a garbage truck driver named Craig Randall, and he was delivering, or he was uh, picking up garbage at the Wendy's. And so he said he went to Wendy's and he was emptying the dumpster and he saw a cup there that had, you know, one of those little prize stickers on the side. And he said, I was hungry. And I was thinking, well, maybe I'll get lucky and win a sandwich. And so he went over and he picked up the cup and, and he peeled it off. And sure enough, he won a chicken sandwich at Wendy's. And so because he's a guy who dreams big, um, he said, I'm going to look for another cup and I hope that I will get some fries to go along with that chicken sandwich. So he, he found another cup and he peeled it off, but when he peeled it off, he did not win fries. Instead, he won $200,000. Now, I'm just going to let you know right now, that was a life-changing experience. Uh, as a matter of fact, after that story came out, I started hanging out at Wendy's uh, at the dumpster, looking for as many cups as I could find. But we all have, we all have life-changing experiences, and that's really wh- that's why we're here today. Uh, the, the largest service in any church around the world, it is always Easter Sunday. And there's really, it really comes down to this. It is a very simple reason why. It is because of a life-changing experience that happened 2,000 years ago. And let me tell you something. We are all hoping and trusting and believing that it really happened. So what was the life-changing experience? Well, the life-changing experience was that the tomb was empty that Jesus rose from the grave. Now, I know that whenever we talk about that, and there's some people who are very skeptical, and for them it's like talking about the assassination of JFK. Was there another, was there another shooter involved? Or what happened to Jimmy Hoffa's body? You know, we have all these, we have all these speculations, but, but there's not a whole lot of, we don't feel like there's a whole lot of facts that go with it. And so what I want us to do today is I just simply want us to, to look into the Bible, which, by the way, I believe is is God's word. I believe this book is true. And so I just want us to look into scripture and to see what are some of the facts that we are given in scripture about the resurrection of Jesus. And that's why we're going to look in in John chapter 20 here in just a few moments. But to give you a little bit of background as to what preceded John chapter 20, and we know this, we know that Jesus went to the cross, that Jesus was hung up on a cross, and that Jesus died there. Now, this was a a day of of disillusionment for the disciples of Jesus. And the reason why is because the disciples of Jesus, they thought that Jesus was going to set up his own kingdom. They thought he was going to come in, that he's going to throw the Romans out, and that they were going to get to rule with Jesus. But now, they're looking towards a tomb, and Jesus is dead. 
Jesus is no longer alive, and so their, their hopes are dashed. But then we know the rest of the story. On Sunday, three days later, that tomb was empty. Now, because it was empty, there's been a lot of discussion about why it was empty. It's been going on since this scripture was written. As a matter of fact, some of the religious leaders believed during this time, they said Jesus' body was stolen. There are others who came out and said, well, Jesus didn't really die. He was on the cross. He went into shock. When he got into the tomb, he got up and walked out. Some weird stuff. Now, there's some people who said that it was just a whole lie. None of it's true. And so the question is, well, what, hap- what happened? On the very first Easter, what happened? What happened to the body of Jesus? What happened? Did he live or is he really still dead? Well, today we're just going to look at a few facts that, that Scripture points out to us on that very first Easter. Now, now here's the very first fact that I want us to see about the resurrection. And it actually precedes the resurrection. And this is the very first fact. And it's this. Jesus was laid in a tomb. That is the very first thing all throughout Scripture. The Bible will tell you that. Jesus was laid in a tomb. Now, if you go back to the the preceding verse in chapter 19, verse 42, here's what it says. It says, they placed Jesus there. They placed Jesus in a tomb because of the Jewish preparation and since the tomb was nearby. Now, you might say, well, what's the big deal about that statement? You know, Jesus was laid in a tomb. Why is that important for us whenever we consider the resurrection? Here's why it's important. When they laid Jesus in the tomb, they did so for a reason. You know what the reason was? Because he's dead. Jesus was not living when he was put into the tomb. Jesus was placed into a tomb because his life was over. And I I promise you, the religious leaders of the day, there was no way they're going to allow Jesus to get off that cross alive. Matter of fact, Jesus was stabbed. If you read the gospel accounts, he was stabbed in the side with a spear to make sure, to make doubly sure that he was dead. And only a dead person is ever placed in a tomb, right? I mean, we don't bury living people. You only bury people who are dead. And that's why when we have funerals, and that's why funerals are so sad. You know, especially for the, the people that, that are uh, r- relatives, the people who are friends, when they go to a funeral, it is, uh, it is a, a sad time because those people recognize that what death brings is it brings separation. They understand that when death comes, that they will never spend another moment with that person alive on this earth. You know, death is something that is very final. And that's the point that I I want us to see in chapter 19, verse number 42. Jesus Christ went to the cross and he died. He faced the greatest fear that man has and he experienced it. Now it's, it's important for us to understand that Jesus died. Because if Jesus didn't die, then that means he could not be a sacrifice for the sins of man. A death of a perfect sacrifice had to occur. And if it didn't, then guys, there's no reason for us to be here. You know, sort of be like uh, going to a store. If you went to a really nice store with one of your one of your friends, and your friend said, hey, you pick out any outfit you want, the most expensive thing that you can get, and it's yours, I'll take care of it. Now, you're going to go in there, and you're going you're gonna to pick out a, a nice outfit, and you're like, I can't afford this, but I'm going to get it anyway, because they said they'd pay for it. Now, let's say you got that outfit on, and you walk out of the store, and within five seconds, two security guards jump on you. And they tell you, you didn't pay for this. You say, my friend said he'd pay for it. 
and your friend didn't pay for it. Now, if that happened, do you, it's, it's a store when they find out that you really thought somebody was going to pay for it. Do you, do you think that they're going to say, oh, it was just a minute. you know what, don't worry about it, you just go ahead and keep it. Are they going to let you keep that outfit? Absolutely not. Say so it wasn't paid for. Now, if you know of a store where they're going to let you keep it, you need to let us know so that we can go out there and go to that store. But they're not, they're not going to let you do that. Y'all, that is just the, that is the, that's what happens in a capitalistic society, right? If you want something, you got to pay for it. Okay, now here's the deal. This is why saying Jesus was laid in a tomb is a big deal. Because there had to be a death, a payment, before there could ever be freedom. Now, it's interesting that the crucifixion of Jesus, it took place during Passover. Now, I'm sure many of you know that Passover is the celebration of whenever the Hebrew people were delivered out of Egyptian captivity by Moses. If you want to read about it, you can go back to the book of Exodus. But you might recall that Moses would go to Pharaoh, and he would tell Pharaoh over and over again, you need to let my people, what? You've seen the movie, right? Let my people go. That was what was supposed to happen. But Pharaoh wouldn't do it. And so God, you remember, he sent plagues. He sent disease. He sent all these interesting things towards the Egyptian people saying, listen, if you don't let my people go, I'm going to remind you who God is. And they did something really interesting. The very last one is God said, if you don't let my people go, I'm going to send a plague that is going to kill every firstborn male of your families and of your animals. This comes from Exodus 12, verses 12 and 13. It says, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both men and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. But God had this little clause where he said, if you want me to give you freedom, though, he said, you take a lamb. He said, you sacrifice it. And then you take its blood and you cover your doorpost. And when the angel of death comes... He will pass over you. Guys, in a nutshell, this, isn't this interesting that Jesus was crucified during the Passover? That Jesus, when John the Baptist first saw him, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus gave himself up like a lamb to be sacrificed, and when his blood was shed... It's like, if you trust in me, you follow me, then whenever the angel of death comes, he will pass over you and you will have freedom. That's why it's important for us to understand that when Jesus went to the cross, he died to pay for our sin. He was laid in a tomb. That, that's the very first fact of the, of the story. But here's a, another, another fact that we need to know, and is this. When he was laid in the tomb, then we discover this, the tomb was investigated. There was an investigation that took place. And in chapter 20, verse number 3, it says that that Peter and the other disciple went out heading for the tomb. And the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. And stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then following him, Simon Peter came also, and he entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. And the wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. Now, it's one thing to say something spectacular happened. Y'all, we are here today, this is crazy, we are here today saying we believe that a dead man came to life again. 
Okay, now when you say that, it, it's, if you hear that for the first time, you don't, you don't just automatically accept that and say, yeah, a dead guy got back up again. Now, if you hear that for the first time, what's going to happen? Well, you're going to investigate that. And, and that's exactly what happened. If you read through all four Gospels, the tomb was investigated. There were four ladies who were at the tomb on the very first resurrection, or the very first Easter. Uh, John and Peter, two disciples of Jesus, they heard what was going on, and they, they ran to the tomb to find out what really happened. They wanted to investigate. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor at this time, he stationed guards at the tomb to make sure that no one monkeyed around with the tomb. They didn't want any stories coming out about Jesus. But there was a lady who went to the tomb to embalm the body of Jesus. She arrived there, and Jesus was gone. And she runs back, and she's hysterical. She tells Peter and John, somebody's taken his body. Now, that's a strange story, but back during this day, whenever they would take bodies, they would put them in caves. And that was really like the burial ground for them. And so they would put them in the, ca- in the caves until their bodies decayed, then they'd put them in a bone box. But oftentimes, families would put in some you know, mementos for the person that had died. And so grave robbers would come and oftentimes would sneak in and they would steal the stuff that people put in with the bodies of those who had died. And so this lady thought, well, somebody stole not only Jesus' stuff, but the body of Jesus. So Peter and John, they said, we've got to go check this out. And our text says that they ran to the tomb. They ran to investigate it. Now my guess is, and it's not surprising to me, that John, the disciple John was in better shape apparently than Peter. It says he got to the tomb first, which is perfectly fitting. I, mean, I love Peter, but if you would have told me that Peter got to the tomb first, I would have said, I don't believe that. I just see that guy eating hamburgers and drinking Cokes and having a great time in life. But anyway, so John gets there first. And here's what verse number 5 tells us. It says he got to the tomb and he looked into the tomb. Now that word look is an interesting word. It means this. It means to glance. It means to take a peek. In other words, it wasn't very thorough. It's like he just sort of, you know, now in, in those graves, and I actually have a picture, I should, have, I should have shown it to you today, but outside the tomb of Jesus, where they believe the tomb of Jesus is, there's like this little window where you could look in and you could view the body. And so that's what John did. Apparently he just went up to that little window and he peeked in and he didn't see Jesus. All he saw were, were grave clothes lying there. They'd been, they'd been folded up. And so he looks in and he doesn't see Jesus there. Now, now, why didn't he run into the tomb? And I, and I don't know why. I mean, my guess is he was kind of a cautious guy. You know, if there were robbers there, I mean, you don't want to go barging in and have some robbers, you know, hit you over the head. And so my guess is he was kind of cautious. And so he peeked in, but he saw that the grave clothes were lying there. Now, if you were on a jury and you're hearing the story, you'd say, well, that's a neat story, but I would like a little bit more. You know, if you said, well, now, John, how do you know that Jesus wasn't there? And John said, well, because I peeked in. That's what the word saw me. It means he peeked in. That, that's not real, that's not very thorough to me. You know, I took a peek in, didn't see anything. Well, it could be maybe, maybe Jesus' body was on the other side. Maybe should have looked a little bit further. So I, I want a little more evidence. Now, this is why I like the next part, because we're told, and then here comes Peter. Peter lumbering along. And if you know anything about Peter, Peter's a guy that, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to get out of the boat and let me walk on water. He's a guy that just barges in everywhere. And what we see here, Peter, it says that Peter also looked into the tomb. It says he saw 
He looked and he saw. Now, in verse number 6, that word saw, it means to look carefully, to observe, to walk. He investigated every nook and cranny of that tomb to find out where is the body of Jesus. And he looked around and he didn't find anything. The only thing he found was a bunch of clothes, grave clothes, that had been neatly wrapped up. Not so, so why is that important? Because guys, whenever they said Jesus was not there, I want you to understand, people went to check it out. They went to look for themselves. And when they went to look for themselves, the only thing they found in there were grave clothes that were neatly stacked. What robber is going to fold up stuff neatly and stack? I can't even get my kids to neatly stack anything. Okay, so that didn't happen. They look in there, and Jesus is not there. So, so what do we know about the resurrection? What do we know from the Bible about the resurrection? Jesus was laid in a tomb. He had to be. We know that the tomb was investigated. But here's the greatest part of all. The tomb was empty. Now, if that tomb was not empty, we would not be here. The tomb was empty. Now, I want you to look with me in verse number 8. It said, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, this is John, then entered the tomb. So Peter goes in. He follows Peter in. He entered the tomb. It says he saw and then he believed. Okay, they investigate the tomb. They look around. They know that, you know, just think about this. Days before, you have to remember what they had seen. Days before, they had seen Jesus taken out of the Garden of Gethsemane. He's arrested. He is beaten within an inch of his life. After they flogged him, they get a crown of thorns, and they jam it on his head. They strip him down, and they make him carry a cross, and then they hang him on a cross by his hands and his feet. And like I mentioned last week, as he's hanging there at the beginning, whenever he needed to get a breath, he would lift himself up to, get a, to fill his lungs with air. But as hours went by, he became tireder and tireder, and he could no longer lift himself up to get, to get a breath of air. And he just simply suffocated to death. And so that's what they'd seen a few days before, and yet now they go to the tomb, and Jesus is gone. And it says, they saw and they believed. That, that word saw here in this verse, it means to perceive with intelligent comprehension. It means that when they looked, they saw the grave clothes were folded up. They saw that Jesus was not there. And then they came to the recognition, Jesus had been raised from the dead. Now, here's what makes this even more interesting, is before Jesus ever went to the cross, did you know Jesus had been prophesying all along that he was going to live and that he would die and that he would be raised again on the third day? Jesus had been saying this before he ever went to the cross. In Matthew 16, 21, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now, what kind of faith did, did, did John and Peter have? They had a faith that was going to be based on evidence. So what happened when they investigated they looked, they saw, and then they believed. 
And that is why we are here today. Today we celebrate the empty tomb of Jesus. Now why is that? Here's why. Because of what it means for us. You understand, Easter means everything to you and me. Because everybody in this room, we are all facing death. We're all going to die. I'm not trying to depress you, but that's what's going to happen. But this story gives us hope. This story gives us hope that there is something else beyond this life so that the Apostle Paul was able to write in 1 Corinthians 15, 55-57, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're able to say this in Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, here it is, that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says, then you shall be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. So, so what does the Bible have to say about the resurrection? It tells us something real simple. Jesus was laid in a tomb. Y'all, he died because he had to be a sacrifice. But you don't just have to take my word for it. The tomb was investigated. It was checked out by people, and when it was, they discovered the tomb was empty. So here's the question for all of us. Do you believe it? Now, I don't have pictures. You know, if, if it'd be, wouldn't it be neat if I had video footage? Hey, here's the tomb. Look, look at Jesus getting up. I don't have that. And so, so here's what it comes down to. Just like everything else, it comes down to this. Faith. You choose to believe or not. What do you believe? Do you believe it's real? If you believe that it's real, are you willing to appropriate that knowledge into your life and trust Jesus with your life and follow him? You say, I'd like to do that. What do I need to do? Here's the great thing. You just simply tell Jesus, say, Jesus, I believe. I believe in you. I believe that you are the son of God. That you lived, that you died, that you are from the grave. That's Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you'll be saved. I, I don't know what else to do but say, I'm going to trust that's true. Because that's what it says. If you'd like to do that, do that. You, you can just simply silently where you can talk to God yourself. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. Jesus, I believe, and I'll follow you.